Good morning. It's good to, good to see you here this morning. I'd like to say thanks to, first of all, to the teams that get up and move around as, I don't know, two, three, four. I woke up a couple times hearing the rain, and I always thank God for the guys in the middle of that rain who get up and drag themselves over to the barn, drag out the trailer, and move it over here. It used to be a lot muddier, but there we put a, a concrete driveway in there, so it makes it a little nicer, but you still get wet. And I, I just wanted to say thanks uh, to you guys and sight and sound guys who do the same thing and, and the Connections team. I, I really appreciate that. I really do, yeah. <clears throat> just an update on the Christmas offering. Uh, we're at $4,627 for the Christmas offering. If you haven't had a chance to pray over that and consider what you'd like to give, then encourage you to do that. Um, looking forward to being able to hand out uh, the, the gifts from CIV to the different, different causes. Um, today we're wrapping up our series on gifts that we return to the Lord for His goodness to us. And today we're going to look at Mary, Mary's response really to the announcement and then through the actual birth of Christ, we're going to actually read through uh, this, the story in Matthew um, and dig out of that what we can about some lessons for our own lives. When I was a child, before we dig into the story, I'd like to just give a little bit of background. I've got about five minutes here. If I take too long, it, it, it'll extend things. I'm going to try not to, but just to give a sense of what was going on when the angel made the announcement to Mary, which is where we're going to start this morning. There, there had been a, a great deal of waiting among the people of Israel before that day. You know, when I was a child, I remember Christmas felt like a big, long wait. And to be honest, more than once, I snuck a peek at my gifts. I mean, I, I regretted it later on Christmas morning, but... I already knew, you know, what was happening <laughs> that day. I snuck a peek. I looked around the house, tried to find, you know, other gifts. And uh, I, I just couldn't wait. I still couldn't play with them until that day. But it, I, I knew. But there was a lot of waiting. And that really is that, that first Christmas, there had been a lot of waiting before that day. Before that day came. By, by way of introducing the message, I want to trace the promise of God. Just real briefly, I'm going to try to give a sense of um, what started 4,000 years ago to, to, to 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. So I'm going to take five minutes, which is kind of a shallow glimpse at this. But I'd, try, I'd like to try to give a feel for, for what this felt like to the people who were receiving the announcements. The first promise was given at the beginning of time. Different, different ideas about when that was. Genesis 3.15. When the first man and woman decided to rebel against God and go their own way, that cut off their relationship with him. And God's response to them, as he was speaking to the woman in Genesis 3.15, that's the first promise. The seed of a woman... She would, she would bear an offspring who would crush the enemy, 
Satan, the serpent, who coaxed them into it. Uh, that decision that cut off our relationship with God. That's the first promise at the very beginning of time. God kicked in his plan. He, he anticipated this possibility. Kicked in his plan through the seed of a woman. That's the very first promise. 1980 B.C., right around there, Genesis 12, 2 through 3. Abraham is told that he would have a son. You can look these passages up later if you'd like. Abraham was told that he would have a son whose descendant would bless the entire world, down to 1400 B.C. in Deuteronomy 18.18. God did some amazing things through Moses, Uh, amazing things. We Actually, the first song we sang today was a reference to God parting the waters of the Red Sea and the people of Israel walking across on dry land. Pretty amazing stuff. And so after a while, the Israelites began to ask is God ever going to deal with us like that again? And in response to that question, the answer came that a king was coming. A king would be born. And some amazing things would happen at that point. In 1000 B.C., 2 Samuel 7, 12, 13, David wanted to build a temple. David was king of Israel. He wanted to build a temple for God. And... Uh, he was told by the Lord that he, he wouldn't build the temple. There were some reasons for that, that his son would build the temple. But in God's response to him, he is told that the, the, the coming king, that there would be one who comes, who would sit on a son. Now, what he was told is that a son of David will sit on the throne forever. That's a pretty amazing promise. And then in 650 B.C., through Isaiah 9-7, through Isaiah the prophet, there's a description of the child that's going to be born. Isaiah 9-7. I'm going to read this one. It's not going to be on the screen. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This, this is a spiritual kingdom that Jesus is going to rule. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So that's 650. Then in 500 B.C., through Daniel, in Daniel 7:14, uh, God speaks through Daniel of a specially appointed deliverer. And then through Zechariah, in Zechariah 6:13, he points to a kingly deliverer. So in 500 B.C., then there there are at least 400 years of silence. God doesn't speak. He doesn't doesn't intervene in the, in the people of Israel, in their nation, in their life. He doesn't say anything. God breaks the silence and <clears throat> begins to prepare for the, the coming of the promised king. And that's where we're picking it up. And one of the things about Christmas that I always am grateful for, <clears throat> excuse me, is that Christmas is a proof that, is, that God always keeps his promise. He, he always does. About 2,000 years after the first promise was made, he fulfills it. Actually, 2,000 plus. The beginning of time. Not sure when that one was made. Today we're going to read from the point when the angel makes his announcement to a young teenage girl. Mary was probably around 14 uh, when all this occurred. And we're, we're going to 
pull out of her experience some lessons for us. Last week we looked at Joseph, his example, and today we're going to look at Mary's example. And so here are some lessons from Mary. This can be a little different approach than I normally take in a message. I'm going to read the story, and as we're going through, sometimes I make comments about the passage, but a big chunk of what we're going to talk about today is going to happen as we walk through the passage itself. Just if you're taking notes, that may help you help you do that. First thing we see is that God is pleased with the humble and willing to serve. Luke 1, 26 through 28. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. There it is. That's important because of the promise God made to King David. Uh, The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words, and you can't blame her, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, this is an honest question. You, you know it's an honest question. It's not, she's not doubting here. Because in, in Matthew, right before this announcement that Gabriel gives to Mary, an announcement was made to Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist, who said, who asked a similar but different question. How can I be sure of this? And so he was doubting. How can I know this is true? How can I know this is going to happen? Well, he was struck dumb. He couldn't speak until the baby was born. He's told by the angel. He was rebuked, basically, by the angel. So you see, Mary's response is different because she said, how, how, what she's wanting to know is, how in the world is this going to happen? She's asking an honest question. You know, women like details. She said, this is, this is amazing, but how is this going to be? How, what are the, that's, that makes sense to me that she would ask that question. But it's a question of faith, not a question of doubt. It's an important thing to remember. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He's holy without sin, no sin at all. Even Elizabeth, your relative, this is a word of encouragement. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. Seemed to be her nickname, Elizabeth the Barren. Seemed to be, she was known. It was was something she was dealing with. For nothing is impossible with God. The angel gives her a word of encouragement, points out that Elizabeth is pregnant. And even even though her nickname was barren, she, she was pregnant. And the angel made a statement here and a reminder that God can do whatever he has decided and whatever he has planned to do in your life. 
he, he's got the power to do it. And this is the way that God works. This is an important thing to understand. In his time and in his way, God does what he will to accomplish his purpose. This is a major reason why we need to gather in groups of people. Because we, we hear about what God's doing in the lives of other people and what he's done in the life of other people, and it brings encouragement. It strengthens our faith. One of, one of the real values of walking with people who are serious about trying to get to know God and trying to grow up in him and people who pray and trust God with things, the things they're dealing with every week, uh, things that are, they're struggling with, maybe uh, expectations that aren't met. We take those to God. We, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but I'm going to lay this before you. Explanations, things we don't understand that are going on, loose ends in our lives that aren't there. We take those to God. Relationships that need to be restored. One of the reasons it's so important to stick with a group of people who are really walking with God, talking to him, asking him, bringing him into their life, trying to do what he's called them to do, trying to set out to fulfill his purpose, is because we get encouragement from hearing what God's done in, in their life. And this is what the angel's doing. Hey, this, this is an encouragement. This is God has done this in Elizabeth's life, and he will do this in your life. It's amazing. That's one of the way God really builds strength and faith. Mary's response is this. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The word servant is literally handmaiden. It's the lowest female slave in her culture, in her society. She said, I am available for whatever you call me to do, Lord. And she said this in the face of ridicule and not not only public shame, but public death, possibly. She, She knew what that meant to be pregnant outside of marriage. She knew that that possibly meant she would be dragged out of the city and stoned to death because of that. She willingly lays her life before God to be used for his purpose. And what we learn is God wants to do this. He wants us to do the same. He wants to use us for his purpose. He gives an assignment and we choose whether or not we're going to serve him. When you sense God at work and moving your heart, you have a choice. Am I going to say the words of encouragement? Am I going to walk across and talk to the person and try to try to help them come to know the Lord, to just try to get to know them? Am I going to serve? Am I going to stop what I'm doing out of my busy schedule and do what they need done here? In faith, you give yourself to God's purpose. If we serve, we find his blessing. If we hold back on that, we, we miss it. We miss the work of God in our lives. This is backwards from our normal thinking, because we think if we're blessed, then others will serve us. But in, in the kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus rules, if you serve, you find God's blessing. So we, we need faith to serve, because without faith, we tend to cover ourselves, protect ourselves. 
and get worried about our own stuff. Second thing we see uh, from Mary is that faith is what opens the door to the Lord's power to serve other people. Luke 1, 39-56 says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. So she, she wants to go. She heard about this. She knew about it already, I'm sure, that Elizabeth pregnant. She wants to get together with Elizabeth and talk about what's going on. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord would, would come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. He was already doing his job, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born to announce the Lord's coming. It was, he was a part of the prophecy from the Old Testament. We looked a little bit at that last week. And in the womb, John's already leaping for joy, indicating this, this is the one. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Now, it's interesting what Mary is commended for is her faith by Elizabeth. That's the source of her power to serve. That's the source of her happiness. Blessed is she who believed. We're, we're blessed. We're happy. Things go well with us when we trust God with our lives, when we believe him. And we end up with the power to look inside out to the needs of those around us. Without faith, we miss God's work in our lives. We miss what he's doing. And we turn to fending for ourselves, and we're miserable as we try to cover ourselves. Mary, on the other hand, she believes God, and then she turns to praise for what he has done. We, we sang some of this right before the message. My soul magnifies the Lord. This is the Magnificant that we're going to read. Mary uh, quotes a, either quotes a poem or it, it just flows out of her. Not sure. But she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. Literally, that means to magnify, to increase him. And you don't make God bigger, but he, he, he gets bigger in your eyes as you glorify him, as you praise him. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Now, Mary knew the Old Testament. She knew the, the profile of the king that was to be born and what kind of kingdom over which he would rule. And in this, in this praise, she, she lays out, some qualities of the kingdom that he would rule. And, and the one that we have the privilege, if, if you turn around from going your own way and decide to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, commit your life to follow him as boss, admit your own rebellion and sin and accept him into your life, 
and the work that he's done, you say, I'm going to quit working myself and trying to earn God's approval. I'm going to accept it in Jesus Christ. Then you come, you get into his kingdom. You become a citizen of his kingdom. Well, she knew what that kingdom would look like. She had a, a, a portrait of that kingdom. And in this, in this praise, she spells out some characteristics of it. It's an upside-down kingdom from what we normally think in our world. The humble and the hungry would be the greatest in this kingdom. Those are two high values. Those who are set to serve would be the greatest. And this is what Jesus said in Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. many. God's grace works the opposite of our world system. We, we define blessing as those who are being served in Jesus' kingdom. That status is measured exactly the opposite way. You go into a restaurant. Who are the important people? The big dogs who are, you know, ordering up, asking for things to be brought. Jesus said, in the way he operates, it's the ones who are serving. In any given situation, who are the most important in his eyes? Jesus' kingdom status is measured upside down from our world. And then she goes on and says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, to Abraham, his descendants forever, even as he has said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. We're going to skip some pass- a passage, some, some, some verses, and then go to Luke 2, 1 through 7. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Mary and Joseph were in Nazareth, and since the census was to be taken, they, they went to Bethlehem to uh, register themselves in this census. Now, I read a comment that Caesar unknowingly played a role in the fulfillment of prophecy as he did this. On a grand scale, God works and is using the events of history to fulfill his purpose and his prophecy. Uh, President Garfield, James Garfield, said that history is the unrolled scroll of prophecy. He understood that as he fulfilled his prophecy, his office of president, that God was working out his purpose in this nation, in the world. And that's, that's what God does. That's what's happening here. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So then she really began to serve God. She took care of the baby after that. And she had a sense that, as, as these events were going on, she had a sense that the greatest privilege on earth 
is to serve God in return for his grace and kindness to us. Serving is a concrete expression of thanks to God. It's a, it's a concrete way because God, <clears throat> it's the way that we love God, we show our love for him. It's the way that we love the people that he made, the ones that he loves. Much of the time, serving God means serving the person right in front of you. Looking for needs, looking for ways to help as you, as you get up, live your day on the weekend, generally around family more than during the week. Look for ways you can help, serve, meet needs. As you get up and go to work on Monday morning, look for ways that you can help. Beyond just your job description, is there, are there some needs? Is there, can you encourage? Can you step in and meet some needs that are there? This is the way that we show our thanks to God through service. Right now, in your heart of hearts, make yourself available to be used by him in the lives of those around you, however he wants to use you today. In the morning, make yourself available and be sensitive to his leading, to the ways that he might direct you and the Spirit might nudge you to serve those around you. Look for ways to do that, your family, at work, with your friends. Look for ways to serve. Um, We're going to be taking the offering in a few moments, and I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take the connection card out and fill that out. Alex mentioned it earlier. There are some ways that you can apply the message this morning. Just walk through the story. And we saw Mary, how she responded with an attitude of, God, I just want to serve you. However, if, if you've chosen me, then I want to do what you've assigned me to do. And that's, that's what God wants from us, a heart to serve in return for his goodness to us. Well, there are some next steps on the back of that connection card. If, if you're a guest, you could just fill out as much of that card as you're comfortable filling out. If you're a, one of our regulars or a member, then just your name and email would be great. But on the back of that connection card, there are some next steps. One of the steps you could take is to make yourself available to God this week and look for opportunities to serve. That's the next step. I will make myself available to God to serve however he wants me to serve. And then another step, I will apply faith while I'm waiting on God to fulfill his purpose and promise to me. I'm just going to trust him as I'm waiting. Maybe there's something, an expectation, a dream, an explanation, you're trying to understand something, a relationship that needs to be restored. I'm just going to trust God with that. I'm going to wait on him and trust him with it. So those are some next steps that you could take. There may be some others that the Lord's laid on your heart. But uh, if you just let us know and drop that in the offering when it comes by, that'd be great. We, we exist and we're able to do what we do because of your faithful tithes and offerings. And I'd like to say thank you for for your giving. And it's fun to see the Christmas offering growing. Appreciate your, your generosity there as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for just what you've done in history. Lord, 2,000 years ago, 
you made this announcement through Gabriel, and that began a, a, a new kingdom. We can taste it, Lord, now as we turn around to follow you. But as we as we look forward to the day when that kingdom's realized and history's wrapped up and we experience it to the full. But Father, I thank you for, for what you've done, for your faithfulness to keep your promise. Lord God, I, I pray that you'd help us to step out to serve one another this week and through these holidays. God, give us a heart to serve like yours. Thank you for your kindness, your grace, your mercy, and uh, the real joy and blessing that we find in knowing you and walking with you, God. Give us the power to, to follow you and to take these steps. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.